Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for February 14, 2016. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us this morning. I was reading a recent article in the newspaper, and it's about uh, listening to gravity waves. Um, it's a breakthrough. Listen to the universe. Two black holes collided, and it made a little imperceptible chirp. <laughs> but um, this is the music of the cosmos, and proved Albert Einstein right again. It's been hailed as one of the biggest eureka moments in the history of physics, and. It says that they were, scientists said they were finally detected gravitational waves, the ripple in the fabric of space and time that Einstein predicted a century ago. And they said that this, uh, done by an exquisitely sensitive $1.1 billion set of twin instruments known as the laser Infrarometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, or LIGO, to detect the gravitational wave generated by the collision of two black holes 1.2 billion light years from Earth. Um, and some scientists said that this is the biggest deal bigger than even the 2012 discovery of the subatomic Higgs boson. Um, now, what, the reason I'm mentioning this is this was this was on maybe the sixth page of the newspaper. It wasn't splashed on the front page. Um, so it's sort of like a niche type of news in science and physics. Um, but they're certainly saying that it's a tremendous, uh, tremendous thing. 
And what I wanted to emphasize was it's because of the sensitivity of the measuring instrument that this was that this happened. Okay. And sometimes they say something like um the Higgs boson was called the God particle and well where is the Dharma? Dharma is it's all about natural phenomena and the fact that you can finally have proof of something because you it was there all the time but you didn't have the sensitive measuring instruments, the receivers. And so this what it reminded me of is if you really knew how to listen to reality as it is, to life, you know, the truths, the Dharma truths are all around us, but uh, we don't have a sensitive enough instruments to, to hear it. It's not the matter of looking around for something, trying to find something. It's changing oneself, one's own ears, one's own deep listening switch, sensitivity. That's what I thought in terms of making the analogy to to spiritual growth and revolutionizing um, spiritual music, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Well, today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse is Shakusayo Shepin. lives in Southern California. He was part of our LM3 group, and he's been very active in supporting Bright Dawn. So let's hear from Sayo. Well, I'm glad to be uh, back again, uh, giving a Dharma glimpse on Live Dharma Sunday. It's been a while, and of course, on a very auspicious day, Valentine's Day, you know, the uh, day of love. So I guess you could say this is my Valentine uh, to all of you listening out there, my uh, heartfelt um, offering on, on this day of, of love and compassion. Um, I really just wanted to talk today about uh, life in general. You know, sometimes uh, life happens in the way we want to, and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, usually when everything is good, we just tend to, you know, be very happy and excited. Oh, this is great. Everything's going the way I want to. I'm excited. Um, and then there's the opposite. When life throws us that curveball and we're like, whoa, what happened? What's going on? Um, so recently I've, I've sort of been having this fluctuation w with life. And uh, I'm always in the back of my head hearing uh, Kobosikoyo Sensei's um, poem, The Dharma is My Rock. You know, many things are happening in my life right now, underlying it all. The Dharma is my rock. And that poem has brought so much uh, peace to my heart. Uh, because every time something happens that you know, even positive things, not just uh, things that may seem a little um, on the negative side, I'm reminded that no matter what happens in my life, the Dharma is there, the teachings are there, my community, the Sangha is there. And it makes you feel, again, strong, as strong as, like, like a rock, you know, strong as a rock. And there's a, a sense of serenity that comes through even in the most dire of situations. 
But it always starts with that first part of the poem. Many things are happening in my life right now, underlying it all. The Dharma is my rock. It's my foundation. You know, I always look at at, at myself as as a house, you know, with the rafters and the ceiling and uh, the walls and insulation. Um, but without that foundation, this house would crumble. And so I'm always reminding myself, you know, that foundation is the Dharma. That foundation is the teachings. That foundation is the way of oneness. That foundation is uh, my teacher, you know, uh, Koyo-sensei. And it, it, it really does help one to keep going, which is, you know, his, his sort of personal mantra that I've been using ever since I met him, you know. Uh, just keep going. No matter what's happening in your life right now, keep going. And that gives me such a sense of joy that you really just want to share that with everybody, you know. Um, and of course, like I said, sometimes life works out the way we want to and sometimes it may not, you know. But I'll keep going forward with a smile because the Dharma is my rock and that's actually the, the ending there of, of the poem. And again, so th this poem has helped me so much uh, within the last few weeks, you know, there's been a lot of changes um, and things just happening in life. Um, but it's good to have that foundation to keep me going. And so that's very important in our spiritual path is to have that foundation, to have that Dharma rock, that strong uh, spiritual teaching that is so powerful, so immovable, that nothing can shake it. You know, at first, of course, you get hit by that situation, that's circumstance, and you tend to lose your way, but then all of a sudden, from the depth of your being, there arises the Dharma, it's like the rock hits you, you know, it's, it's funny, because it is, it's almost like a rock hits you, and bam, oh, that's right, everything's okay, even though it doesn't seem like it is, you know, uh, eyes full of tears, heart heavy with pain, stone therapy, you know, so this one the one section of the poem also reminds me that stone therapy is there to help me. And you say, what is stone therapy? Well, I always carry a little stone with me that I, I brought with me from Bright Dawn. Bright Dawn is um, essentially my pure land, my Mecca. This is my, my pilgrimage site. And so whenever I look at it, it reminds me of Bright Dawn, of this location that physically exists that brings me hope, uh, inspires me. So... Dharma therapy, you know, hey, it's free therapy, right? Um, I just look at it and I'm reminded of the teachings, the advice that I receive from my teacher. And again, it brings a sense of serenity. You know, no matter what's going on in my life, the Dharma is my rock and I can I can physically hold it. And um, and it's funny because in, in times of tension, I actually... You know, it, it's it's become rather smooth after all the rubbing that I do <laughs> this poor rock. That it reminds me of myself. You know, I'm like this rock. I'm I'm smoothing out all these you know afflictive emotions and becoming rounded and smooth. Um, so all this comes again um, from reminding myself of my foundation. You know, my center, my center within that rock that exists with me. And it makes me stronger and allows me to keep going. Um, so that's my Valentine, I guess, 
for uh, our, our listeners uh, today. And so, you know, try to find that that rock within. Try to find that center within, you know, that uh, foundation that any time something happens, you can hold on to that foundation, you know, keep going strong and uh, rise up against anything that, that might seem negative. You know, learn from it, become stronger, and keep going. Uh, so today on Valentine's Day, I'm, I'm very thankful for, for my teacher, and uh, I'm very thankful that he's allowed me to find my rock within. Um, so I'm hoping that all of you can find your rock within as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> yeah, you know, when you hear certain phrases, uh, descriptive phrases, the way we use our words can really somehow bring things, have more impact. You know, finding a rock within, center within, foundation. Um, it's just saying something in different ways. And somehow that's important. We're saying, hey, Dharma's my rock, Valentine. <laughs> you know, tailoring it to. An everyday context occasion, um, thinking about <clears throat> this, uh, I don't know if you call it a poem or, uh, you know, a reading, Dharma's My Rock. And we have a whole history about pebble offerings. Maybe that's what really started it, actually, from the Internet. Uh a life coach teacher based, I think, in the Northwest. And she talked about pebble offerings when um, to make any trip, even if it's a trip to a uh, nearby park or a trip to... (laughs) that you can make it into a pilgrimage by getting a little pebble, putting it in your pocket, and then when you go traveling, you make an offering of gratitude for nature's beauty, for whatever kind of um, gratitude feeling you want to express. And pebbles are, they won't break or leak in your pocket, and it won't pollute the environment, and what's important is not for any is but your attitude, your awareness behind it. And then I found out that Cheeks, this author of this email, online message, was inspired by my father's article on awareness in the center within and um, so to use rocks, when I traveled and would make double offerings, I started to use rocks as a memorial offering. In fact, we would have a uh, early morning hike in the lakefront path in Lake Michigan in Evanston and and opened it up to an invitation and maybe there was about a dozen of us that got there when it was still dark and they, they 
followed instructions to bring a rock right on there with a felt tip pen, name of a person that they wanted to, loved one that they wanted to remember. And we started about a two-mile walk from the parking lot to what we call Inspiration Point, which is actually on the campus of uh, Northwestern University there along the lakefront path. We lit an incense stick, gave it to each person, and they held this stick of incense burning, which is, of course, teaching of impermanence, because by the time you get finish your walk, it's, it's gone. <laughs> you know, they're telling you the dynamic nature of that your life. You better, you better uh, be aware of that. And then when we got to Inspiration Point, we said, hey, throw that rock out. We started using rocks in the cemetery. We started using rocks as a rock offering in any kind of a service instead of sometimes, you know, doing incense indoors. We have a little more awareness about allergies and so forth. Sometimes in the old days, boy, incense would be filling up the whole chapel or if a service is done in the home, you know, it could get pretty bad. Um, and in fact, there were some main temples used that that stopped that uh, incense burning tradition. And that's pretty radical when you can, you know, in the main, main temple themselves, they still have the burner there and people still pretend <laughs> to offer incense as part of the ritual, but there's, there's no actual burning of incense anymore okay, in that temple. Okay. Uh, it was one, it was a temple in, in Canada. And, and I just, you know, just happened to notice that that's what they did. Okay? I thought that was pretty, pretty radically innovative. Okay? But anyway, uh, so rocks, using rocks, and then of course I really liked the <laughs> Bob Seger, like a rock, and you see the Chevy commercial, like a rock, okay? that kind of analogy, and I just. Steamrolled. It just—it was like a big rock bowler going down a hill. Got a lot of momentum, and and uh, I made—I wrote this. Dharma's my rock. A lot of people like it. We have a bronze plaque. Uh, you know, maybe a three foot by three foot bronze plaque that we mounted on a bowler on our property. We also made um, a poster of it, and that's in a nice frame inside our Sierra Sanctuary. People see that and they say, hey, you ought to just print it out, um, you know, 8 by 10. Oh, if you did that, you could sell it. I, I would buy one. <laughs> that's what some people have said. And, in fact, I, I kind of lightheartedly once, you know, memorial service when I when they made rock offerings and, and we read this and I said I make a prediction that in the future Dharma's my rock is, for Buddhists is going to become just as popular as the 23rd Psalm for Christian Christians and and you know someone this was at a family memorial service and one of the young men said Hey, you ought to get royalty, royalties, and then I would, I would respond.
fun. Yeah, you're my manager. And uh, sometimes people, when we use the rock, uh, where they could pick a rock, there was a little bowl of rocks in front of the home altar. And people could come up and pick one. And then this was the service before the funeral the next day. This is what, you know, first seventh day or uh, a wake. And they took the rock and and then they kept it and then they put it into the casket on the next day. But being able to physically have a rock, you know, that concrete nature of things is really important. And everybody looks at and everybody thinks their rocks the they're the best. <laughs> that's that's another thing that children involved in you know, say, hey, I got a rock. Hey, yeah, hey. And sometimes they start joking around, hey, you want to trade rocks? Oh, no, or this and that. And when one person had sort of a, one of the larger rocks, put it into the casket the next day, you know, it, it wasn't very obvious that people were putting a rock in there when they go up and do gush show in front of the open casket and, and you know, put their hand maybe near the casket or but then boom you hear the solid chunk of a rock being put in dropped in there and everybody smiled because they knew what was going on. Um this is uh a nice way to say, hey, this is this is this is a Valentine for today <laughs> and giving having a rock from right down center and you know another kind of neat thing that I started doing with rocks is I would write on the rock uh, right down center and and then uh, you know a rock that's uh, maybe about the size of a silver dollar nice smooth rock and I could give the rock to visitors but it's kind of neat. What I do is uh, when they're leaving, usually when they're leaving and they're go, going into their car and I and I just before that, I secretly put the rock down on the patio, face down, and uh, right near where they would be getting in on the driver's side. And as they're getting in and getting ready to say farewell, I said, hey, there's a good there's a good souvenir. And I point to the rock and say, oh, and uh, pick it up. And some of them look at the rock and say, they turn it over and they see their writing on there right down center. And they know they've been had. I, I don't know how you would say it. Or, but you playing a trick on me? Or, But they're pleasantly surprised. Okay. Uh, and it makes gives that rock more meaning, personal kind of a, instead of just giving them a rock, say, hey, I made this for you. Say, hey, look at there. And some of them, they don't notice what's on the writing on it, and they just put the rock in their pocket, or they put it on the, in the dashboard in the car, and they find out later, and that's even more impactful. Get home, and they're unpacking or something, and then your spouse says, hey, there's writing on this rock, and so, oh, 
They said, wow. It makes it more memorable, you know. And uh, so I did that for a while. I should start doing that again because that's kind of fun. It's kind of neat. It's a more shared, even though it makes it sort of a lighthearted thing, it makes it really impactful, you know. Or sometimes even when, when I started doing that in, um, in the lakefront, and sometimes some persons made an appointment to, they were having some problems, and um, so we would go. I said, well, let's, well, let's go, you know, in the morning, go for a little lakefront walk, and I go to the inspiration point, and I would do the rock thing, when they were not looking, I would just, but I said, hey, there's a good souvenir. And some one time the guy picked it up and he saw the date written on it. He said, oh, maybe this, somebody dropped this. Maybe I better leave it here. I said, no, that, that's your, that's for you. Oh. And uh, then we went out for breakfast and he was telling me about his situation, work situation. Um, and he just, you know, was having trouble with. He was a director. In fact, he was a director of a college uh, counseling center, and the politics, internal politics, was very terrible. <laughs> and he was just kind of, you know, wanted to talk about it. And uh, the words, as we were, you know, saying goodbye, you know, he showed his rock and he held up the rock and smiled. You know. um, it's a nice concrete memento. Uh, that someone, it, it gives it some kind of power, I guess. That, that's one way of putting it. It's it, it's a symbol, and it's a concrete thing, you know. And, of course, a rock, the more you handle it, it becomes smoother. There's all kinds of... <laughs> uh, and if you get a chance to Google Bob Seger like a rock and... Uh, which is a story about a 38-year-old guy remembering when he was 18. Now, 38 doesn't sound very old, but he's saying, "Oh, I, you know, when I was 18, boy, I was solid like a rock." You know, and uh, where did the 20 years go? And okay, uh, he's he's remembering. Okay, uh, so it does have that kind of a. Uh, message about permanence, constant change, reflecting on one's own life. And one time there was a, a family that I did, uh, did a memorial service in the home, and a young man had passed away. He's about in his 50s. And this was the first time I played that song as, as a memorial song. And I didn't realize it, but when I looked up, a lot of our family members were just crying, you know. That that music has a power too of uh, to move that message of, you know, uh, young life being gone, and it's precious. And that has a tremendous teaching, of course, about for the living. Better love the ones, like it says in the Dhammapada, you know, we too shall pass away. How can we quarrel? 
<laughs> so, today's broadcast, until next time, keep going, and you have a very beautiful day. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.